gentlemen it is that time once again it, it this is the bakery podcast and i am your glorious host aaron baker 
And tonight, this past week, was a huge week in the sport of professional wrestling. We had the debut of AEW, which is what I'm talking about today. WWE is now on network, not network television, but a big name brand like Fox. So SmackDown debuted on Fox this past Friday. And you just got everything just convulging into one. And I gotta tell you, I'm excited as a fan to see what both companies can come up with. And also to see who jumps from company to company. Just like in the old Monday Night Wars that I absolutely love hearing about that time period of professional wrestling. But before I do anything like that, I want to I want to put out here right now that I do not own any music that I play on this show. Um, and I'm saying this because one, I really don't want to get sued or slapped with a copyright uh, copyright infringement law, and this podcast have to be taken down because I'm using on lawful an unlawful use of the music so i just want to state that right now i do not intend on any misuse of the copyright it's just to get the people hyped for this episode so with that being said we might as well get into it the debut episode of aew dynamite Alright, so first off, I want to start off by saying I finished Dynamite last night, which was a Friday. I finished it last night, was taking notes most the entire show, of course, and good old JR put it best in one of his uh, episodes of Gorilla JR. I really, I highly recommend that podcast and any podcast that Conrad Thompson is putting out there, I highly, I highly recommend you guys go check that stuff out it's knowledgeable um it's funny and i'll get into that later on uh some of the ones that are funny and i gotta tell you i gotta tell you it's some of the greatest content out there right now in podcasting and i say that knowing you know i listen to the decibel geek podcast in all these other podcasts, I'll say this. The Conrad Thompson Army of Wrestling Podcasts is where people need to be and need to put their time and energy to listen to and get the knowledge of professional wrestling from yesteryear because Conrad does tons of research and the people he does the podcast with, Eric Bischoff, Arn Anderson, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, and finally, Bruce Pritchard. They're all just all quality podcasts. So, with that being said, this is going to be the most overanalyzed piece of television in history. So, I wanted to start it off with this. 
let's welcome back wrestling on TNT for the first time since 2001 when WCW was last on the air. For fans, the Wednesday Night Wars are finally here, and by God, I'm ready. AEW's TV debut, AEW's television debut, and the first match ever is Cody the Nightmare, the American Nightmare, Cody, don't call him Rhodes, versus Sammy Guevara. And this is what I put. I want to preface this by saying I am already, I am, I'm ready for fresh product. I missed the WCW versus WWF Monday Night War because I was, I was too young, first of all. I was born in 1995, so when the Monday Night Wars was, a, was on the height, I was, give or take, three or four. So I pretty much missed Austin stunning Vince McMahon. Um, just anything and everything to do with the Attitude Era. I remember bits and pieces of. Like my first ever W... My first ever pay-per-view that I can remember is uh, Bad Blood 1997. The debut of Kane. So we'll preface, this, preface it by saying... My earliest memory... Of wrestling is in 1997 but from there it's just kind of a blur I can't really remember anything you know so it really feels great to it felt great to experience something with wrestling history the first time that wrestling was on the TNT network since 2001 that's astronomical almost 20 years since wrestling has been on TNT. You know, the first match with Cody and Sammy Guevara was absolutely stunning. No no doubt. A lot of false finishes and high-flying action. I want to say, and for people that are watching AEW, pay close attention to this. The chemistry between Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur is great. They bust, they're busting each other's balls. Especially JR and Tony. And, you know, if you listen to their podcasts, you would understand. It's all in good fun. The camaraderie is there, and they respect each other. I'm going to admit something, and you can t call me a fake fan if you want, but I hadn't seen a match from Cody since his days in Ring of Honor. And I'll say it, and I'll say this. When Cody, when Cody was released from WWE after the whole Golda, the Stardust thing, that's when, you know, Co I, that's when, you know, I kind of lost track of Cody for a while. Um, I think he went on this tour of names that he wanted to wrestle, got to wrestle, I believe, Kurt Angle, something along those lines. And, you know, I would watch some of his stuff on, on the Fight app you know, shameless plug, with Ring of Honor. So, when he went to, like, New Japan and all that, and all did what he did over there, I was not privy to what he was doing out there. Neither was I privy to, you know, Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or, you know, anybody that's in the elite. 
Again, you can call me a fake fan, but I had heard those names thrown around a lot. So I think I remember watching a Kenny Omega match in 2015 for the first time ever and was like, this kid is going to be somebody. And, you know, he he is now somebody. He's one of... One of the biggest stars in professional wrestling today. So, again, you can call me a fake fan for not watching Cody after Ring of Honor, but that's whatever. Um, so, so this match for me was very, was very cool to see. You know, Cody picks up the win after a disaster kick thanks to Brandy Rhodes. And, uh, you know, Tony, go, Tony Schiavone goes and interviews Cody... They embrace in a hug. You can see, you know, this is for this is for Dusty. You know, rest in peace, Dusty Rhodes. This is for Dusty. And this is Dusty's dream coming true. Uh, they embrace for a hug, but before that, Sammy, Sammy Guevara tries to go for the classic handshake, you know, Shades of Ring of Honor. And the crowd starts to go absolutely insane as a as the AEW champion Chris Jericho is here and he just blindsides Cody and get and literally gives him the business um typical you know just heel stuff uh, and honestly who would have thought in 2019 Jericho would still be able to as as in the business they say that Jericho would still be able to go at his age. I gotta tell you, DDP yoga is absolutely working. If Jericho is the age he is, and I believe he's 49, give or take. Of course, I can't be wrong. You guys can correct me if you would like. Um, but, you know, to see Jericho... Here, I, I will say this, because I didn't do a show... When they crowned the new AEW champion with the classic Jericho quote, he can get a phrase over. Let me tell you. After Jericho won the AEW championship and did the little bit of the bubbly, I was like, okay. AEW says that they're going to be different from the norm, but they crown an older guy as the champion. Didn't go with Adam page adam hangman page so i was kind of i was very weary of having chris jericho as the AEW champion you know it's the typical wwe model hey we're gonna push the old guy and you know kind of bury the young talent but AEW is a fresh company so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. You guys can call me a mark for AEW or whatever. But I'm giving this company a chance that it deserves. Because without competition, WWE is going to be doing the same thing that they have been. And they're just going to go... They're just going to be lax on what the fans want. And the fans want high-flying, athletic action. They don't want... 15-minute talking segments, you know? And I'll say this. At a typical WWE show, they always start. And Monday Night Raw is bad about this. Absolutely bad about this. They want to start with a talking segment when people have been there either 
45 minutes to an hour, you know, they got to get their seats, they got to get their food, they got to, you know, get their merch. And I'll tell you from experience, when the doors open and the fans are going in, it is very hard to stand in line, get your merch, go find your seat, and try to settle in, especially if you want to get merch and not miss a thing on the show. My last WWE live event was Fastlane, I think, in 2017. It was either that or 2018. So that's just saying for personal experience. Um, my friends and I, we got there early. So we could, you know, get in our seats, you know, hang out after after not seeing each other for a while. So we got there fairly early, got in the doors, got the tickets. I mean, not got the tickets. Got in our seats and we waited, you know. We had a good time at this pay-per-view, blah, blah, blah. Long story short. Um, but, yeah, they that that's something that... I enjoyed seeing from AEW. They didn't start with a promo segment the first 15 minutes of the program. They started with action. They started with action. And that is something that I had been preaching about in my uh, inner circle that WWE needs to do more of is start with action, then do a promo, but of course, I don't run WWE, so I can't make those decisions. But back, but back, la, la, la. but back to, um, back to the segment that Jericho is, Jericho's basically laying out Cody. Chair shots, powerbomb on two chairs, and Jericho definitely brought his A-game with this segment. I also want to point out, thank God, Jericho got rid of that fucking beard. After All Out, Chris Jericho looked like a 60-year-old man that just won a world title. So thank God he shaved that beard, went full-on babyface. With his, with his, you know, with his shaving. I will say this right now. And to anybody that's going to criticize AEW from episode one, I will say criticize them basing stuff off of episode one to episode two. What did they do wrong that they could have done better in episode two that they did right in episode one, etc., etc. Because episode one, all it is is just laying the groundwork right now. Episode one was laying the groundwork for full gear. Setting up storylines and just presenting the product to a wider audience, not just a pay-per-view audience. That's exactly what it was there for, and it's exactly what it intended to do. And the ratings showed it. I'm not going to talk about ratings here because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But, you know, everybody's going to look at those ratings like, oh, look, AEW beat NXT. For now. I will say for now. Um, this podcast is not gone all elite yet, but I enjoy I enjoyed what I saw from AW and I enjoyed what I saw from NXT. I'm not taking sides in this war. I'm not. I'm not. 
I'm a wrestling fan, and whatever's on and catches my eye is what I'm going to watch. If I happen to watch AEW more than NXT, then so be it. I can catch a re- I can catch a rerun of NXT on the network. I can get caught up on NXT on the network. So there's that. So the next match of the night is MJF versus Brandon Cutler. And I want to just state this for the record. MJF is the best heel in the business right now. Go ahead. Name me me one WWE superstar, man or woman, that can get the kind of heat MJF can. You You can't right now because Kevin Owens is not heel. Kevin Owens... When he's heel, he is the best heel WWE has. When The Miz is heel, he, he's the best heel WWE has. Hands down. But in the overall scheme of things, MJF is the best heel right now in the business. And get this. The guy is only 23 years old. And his career, just getting started. Just getting started. And I will say this, if anybody wants to bitch about Tony Tony, Tony or JR's commentary in 2019, go listen to WHW, that's What Happened When, and Grilling JR. They have the insight of years upon years in the business. As commentators, at, in JR's case, as the head of talent relations and being a commentator... So kudos to Cody and Tony Khan and everybody else from uh, that's an executive in AEW for making that decision to bring JR and Tony into the mix of this AEW stuff. Um, MJF wins via submission. And I gotta tell you, I'm a big fan of this guy. I know I'm supposed to hate him, but I love a good heel... I love a good heel. He's great. MJF is great on the microphone. He can get onto somebody's skin, and, and some of those, some of the slaps from Brandon Cutler looked legit. So moving on. Next segment, I absolutely hated. I absolutely hated. I understand what AEW was trying to do. They were trying to get the rub of some celebrities, and they only did this once. We see the friends of AEW champion Chris Jericho, and that's Kevin Smith and Jason Muse, a.k.a. Jay and Silent Bob. Now, if you all remember, Kevin Smith was a little on the chunky side. This guy looks absolutely healthy. Absolutely healthy. And Kevin Smith, the dude is a huge nerd. And I applaud that. He ain't hiding it from nobody. The dude loves comic books. He loves wrestling. He ain't hiding it from nobody, nor should he. And Kevin Smith is a is a guy that I want to talk to, you know, about just anything and everything, like comic books and all that shit. Of course, I gotta I gotta know my stuff when I'm talking to Kevin Smith. So, um, here's here's what I didn't like. 
Uh, Jay was talking trash to uh, the tag team, I believe it's called Best Friends, uh, and said that they can't even win a match. Now, this confused the absolute fuck out of me because I thought that everybody was on kind of a clean slate, but later in the night, JR would mention, JR or Excalibur would mention that Pac is 2 0 in AEW, so I'm confused. At this point, if the best friends have a losing record or what's going on, that's 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 the thing that confused me. But when Jay got on the mic, man, I mean, when Jason got on the mic, it was bad. It was really really bad. Uh, we see uh, we also get to see Private Party come to the aid of uh, Kevin Smith and Jason. So. Honestly, in my opinion, this match, I mean, this segment fucking sucked. Um, after that awkward of a segment, they show the graphic for the World Tag Team Champion, uh, for the World Tag Team Championship Tournament, which leads us into the, uh, the next interview with SCU, and honestly, I love me some Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. I followed Christopher Daniels uh, in TNA Impact. Yeah, I watched some Impact and Christopher Daniels. Look, when, when I watched Impact, Christopher Daniels was billing, was getting billed as the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. And I got to tell you, his finishing maneuver, absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I haven't seen anything like it. It's it's something exclusive to him. And I can't wait to see these guys back in action. Um, they're, they're, they get interrupted by the Lucha Bros, which is Phoenix and Pentagon. And I gotta tell you, I'm a fucking huge fan of Pentagon. I'm a huge fan of Phoenix. Watch them in Lucha Underground. I'm glad that they are on network television with TNT so more eyeballs can get exposed to Pentagon and hit at Phoenix and their fucking amazing matches. Um, Pentagon does his Sierra Mierdo, which is no fear. And SCU chants, SCU, crowd gets into it, and they brawl. Kind of mad. It was kind of mad at me, but I get where they're going with this. They're trying to build the tournament up just a tad. And up, uh, up, <clears throat> sorry. Up next, we see the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega getting ready for the main event. And we also see Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, the former LAX at Impact, getting prepared as well. So the next match is my favorite match of the night. Adam Hangman Page versus Pac. I'm real. I was really excited to see Adrian Neville as this, well, the former Adrian Neville. Uh, here, these two were supposed to fight at Double or Nothing. We all know there was something that happened with uh, with Pac, and he was unable to compete at Double or Nothing. And this match honestly didn't disappoint at all. It was exactly what I expected it to be. 
with uh, the blood with the blood feud that they had developed. Uh, brutal physicality. Brutal physicality. I I absolutely love Pac's relentless assault on uh, Hangman, and I honestly have to tell you, I missed seeing Pac or Adrian Neville. What WWE did to this man after NXT? Oh my God, was awful. Was it was fucking dumb, and it's gonna keep happening until someone says to Vince, "It's 2019. This gimmick is not gonna work. It's not 1980s anymore." The Mighty Mouse thing didn't work. You put him in the tag team division, called him the King of the Cruiserweights. That worked, and then you fucking killed him. You fucking killed him. But I do have to say, there was a moment in this match where Pac is getting ready to go for the Black Arrow, and Hangman Page just moves out of the way. Um, again, this match was absolutely solid. It kept the crowd going for sure with the high spots. I know I hate some of the high spots, and I'll get into that in the main event. Um, but the, they absolutely killed it this match. This was the match of the night for me was Hangman Page versus Pac. Pac will hit the, um, hit the Black Arrow and then go for the, for the Brutalizer, gets the submission. That's two submission victories on this show. You don't really see that on WWE. So there's that. And I and here's something I noticed. And guys, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because there's so much wrestling out there that I don't have time to go just scour it all. But so far, besides Sammy Guevara, everyone has been on a wrestling TV show of some kind, whether it be Ring of Honor, New Japan, um. WWE, NXT, the list goes on and on. Here's another thing that I did like. When there was a commercial break, they did a picture-in-picture of a live feed and the commercial playing at the same time so they could get that ad revenue and also you're not missing any action. So that was fucking great. So next is the the first ever... AEW Women's Championship match. So Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, she's on commentary, and honestly, I think that she was nervous because she barely said a word. She barely said a word on commentary unless she was spoken to. I don't know if she was focused on the match, seeing who she's going to fight for the, uh, who she could potentially fight for the Women's Championship but she was very quiet on commentary, which was, I don't want to say it's a cause for concern, but we'll see down the road. Um, early on, I thought, in my opinion, that there was a chemistry clash early. Uh, but it was definitely corrected throughout the match. Nyla Rose is absolutely dominant. Absolutely dominant in this match. But I got to tell you, 
Rio was one determined tough son of a bitch. And the speed this girl has, she is a fucking twig compared to Nyla Rose. And she is just flying all over the ring. And, you know, this was the key this was the key spot where momentum went into Rio's favor. Nyla gets a bunch of chairs and just lays them out. Lays Rio on top of the chairs. She goes up to the apron and goes for a senton and it's just spine first on these chairs. And that was when momentum just shifted completely to Rio. However, with Nyla being a big big gal, strength was way it was it seemed way too much for Rio to ha- to handle. But she had the fucking heart of a fucking warrior. She ends up winning this thing, guys. This small little girl defeats this big behemoth. I didn't see her winning. I had Nyla Rose winning the first ever AEW Women's Championship. Um, but moving forward... Rio needs to be an underdog in most of her, most if not some of her matches, because it worked for me. It worked for me. I did not see this little, this tiny little girl, this tiny little woman, beat this behemoth of a behemoth of a woman. I didn't see it coming, but I'm glad it happened. So Rio's your first ever. AEW Women's Champion. So they try. They got some international flavor. Alright. AEW's got some international flavor. With the champion. Uh, after the match. Michael, Michael Nakazawa. Is trying to interview Rio. Was going to introduce her in Japanese. And Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose just ambushes him. Ambushes him. Nyla Rose had a botched. Um. A botched power bomb was able to correct herself and still was able to power bomb Nakazawa. And she almost gets a hold of Rio before Ken, the man, Kenny Omega, gets involved. And it was great stuff. Um, b- before this even was a thing, the Dynamite, I thought they were going to book Nyla Rose as a babyface but I will say this she is the I believe the first transgender wrestler so I could see how they're gonna book her as a heel because that's a hot button that is a hot button issue in this country today should a transgender person participate like for example should a woman be able to participate in football if she gets transitioned into a man or should a man who transitioned into a woman be able to play women's sports? So, there you go. So, here it is. Main event time. And so much happened in this one that it just, it's so diluted. It's so diluted. It's so diluted. This was the typical Young Bucks match. Um, first off, Kenny, it, Kenny Omega starts off the match, and it looks like it's about to be Kenny Omega and Jericho. Jericho goes over to, I don't, I can't 
remember if it was Santana or Ortiz tags them in. They have a pretty good, pretty good brawl. Then Jericho gets in there, and all hell breaks loose. Uh, eventually, the Young Bucks get their super kick party in. They get their high spots. But what we're really here for is Kenny Omega was getting ready to end Jericho and take us home. But here comes John motherfucking Moxley. Moxley comes in and it's absolute mayhem. Fighting all over the arena. And they go. This makes it a two on three match. This is where I get confused. The referee did not take a bump at all in this match. Especially before this happened. So... Here's, here's what I'm confused about. The referee saw John Moxley attack Kenny Omega. Shouldn't that have been a DQ? Call me crazy, call me wrong, but shouldn't have that been a DQ? The match continues, which was confusing, because everyone's focused on John Moxley and Kenny Omega, and there's, ma- and there's a match still going on in the ring. AEW, never do that again. If there is something you are trying to get across, either do it before the match or do it after. Um, but back to Moxley. Moxley absolutely kills Kenny Omega. And if you're listening to this, I want you to go find this video on YouTube. You're just probably going to have to find, say, John Moxley suplexes Kenny Omega into a glass table. Because that's exactly what he did. He suplexed Kenny Omega into a glass table. Now I'm going to say this. I I love the Moxley character. I love Dean Ambrose before this, uh, before his last few days in WWE where they were having him do some dumb shit. But honestly, how long until the hardcore stuff gets really stale? really stale like i love i love ecw but if i'm gonna sit here and watch it for 24 hours i'm gonna get tired of it i really am so i'm hoping they keep john moxley fresh not having to do all this hardcore brawling all over the arena slamming people in the glass glass tables etc etc Meanwhile, back in the ring with the two-on-three, Santana or Ortiz are absolutely getting themselves over, which I absolutely enjoyed, um, as a new team in AEW. And if you haven't, if you haven't seen LAX in action, I highly recommend their, their recent Impact stuff. It is stuff you guys want to see. They tore the house down. In some of these matches, I know Impact is kind of the laughing stock, right? Laughing stock of the business. You know, it's the little engine that could was gonna die, still isn't dead, and it is still going. Um. So Jericho finally is able to hit the Judas effect, gets a pinfall victory, and this is where. All hell breaks loose. 
This is this was the biggest clusterfuck in my in my opinion. First, you have Cody attacking Jericho. Then Sammy attacks Cody. Then Dustin comes and cleans house. And then Jake fucking Hager, formerly known as Jack Swagger. I said this. It says sigh. Honestly, this roster doesn't need what people didn't need what people who will who will know Jack Hager for as Jack Swagger. He looks like a guy who should be golfing and lifting weights. I get why he's there in this spot to to create a buzz and that element of unpredictability like Nitro did, and it just didn't work for me. Too much had already went on in this match, and you could have left it at that. Moxley, you could have left it at that. Have John Moxley attack Kenny Omega, and then we go home. Um. But by the looks of it, you have the first heel stable in AEW with Jericho, Santana and Ortiz, Jack Hager, and Sammy Guevara. But I hope for the love of God, they don't call it something dumb like the Jericho-holics or the Jericho security, security squad or something. Give it a badass name, please. Give it a badass name. But overall, I like this show. I really dug it. It kept me entertained. I'm not going to give this show a rating because it did exactly what it was set out to do and set the precedent of this is what AEW is. If you don't have to like it, but if you like it, come along for the ride. We're setting up full gear. They had two promotions for full gear on November 9th. But if I were to give this a give this a review i mean a rating i'll give it eight and a half out of ten there were some things that i really didn't like in this show and i just went over them well all right ladies and gentlemen that is gonna do it for the bakery podcast and i hope you guys enjoyed my review of AEW dynamite episode one i try to get in as much detail as possible for you guys but i didn't want to get into too much detail i wanted to keep you guys engaged and focused so i'm gonna end the show by saying this if you guys know anybody that wants to partner or sponsor this podcast Send them my way at Aaron.Baker95 at Yahoo.com and we can work something out. I would really like to try some some of your products and I'm willing to try almost anything. Just putting that out there. So if you have a product that you want me to try and talk about on the show, just get with me. That is Aaron.Baker95 at Yahoo.com. That's going to do it for me, guys. I hope you guys have a great rest of the rest of your week. And I am out of here.
See?